Say that podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the state of Chicago, and join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello, it's a podcast where your questions get real answers. <laughs> that's that's true. Come up with that by yourself. No, it just sometimes feels like I wish I could say it. Sure, I, I'm glad. I'm glad to see that too. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Not gonna lie to you, man. I'm sad. I'm sad because I had chocolate chip cookies, but then I ate them. And now I don't have them anymore. They're more upstairs. Well, but that, that's upstairs. That's a long way from here. I'm well, just, I don't see any way to solve this problem, so you're just going to have to suffer. I'm just sad. I'm just, y'all are just going to have to pray for me. <laughs> oh, man. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, via the Magic of the Interwebs, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Must be nice to have chocolate chip cookies, Jed. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's no churro chocolate, but it's something. Whoa. Oh, deep cut. Epi- man, you hit that ball right back across the net, dude. Yeah, I, uh, I've been working on that. Sometimes it's probably difficult to tell that we record these back-to-back, and sometimes it's probably really not. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week, I think as this episode comes out, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Nice. Wednesday, the oh. 27th, maybe? Sure, and you know what that means. It means a holiday tradition unlike any other. Gripes-giving! <laughs> Gripes-giving! Glenn, as the, as the innovator and inventor of Gripes-giving, why don't you walk us through it? And on that basis, I declare a gripesgiving emergency. <laughs> this would be one of Is this going to be a monster truck related gripesgiving? <laughs> yeah, no way. The audio? No way. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Right on us. Uh, well, the, the, the you know, uh, I think it's important to take time with family. Sure. Uh, to once a year come together uh, in, in the spirit of unity and harmony <laughs> uh get around the table with right. a nice meal sure and go around the table and simply vent your gripes <laughs> sure and i expressed that to our staff a while back sure and because some of them are as depraved as i am they said that sounds awesome Let's do it. So we have a let's a, make it official an annual event, the airing of grievances, known as Gripes Giving. Yeah, now, not known as the airing of grievances because it turns out Seinfeld's got really aggressive lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> now, not everyone believes in Gripes Giving. Sure, uh, some of the people uh, are nice. Sure, uh, that are married to us. Sure, yes, don't like Gripes Giving. Absolutely, but. Uh, we don't let that dampen the holiday spirit. Not at all, man. You know what I mean? Every day can be gripesgiving if you keep it in your heart. That's what I always say. So you sure. don't let the the cheer and goodwill of the wives who love you. You don't you don't let that uh, you know turn down the fact that you got some stuff you really need to talk about. You That's, really need to say. Yeah, yeah. You at some point because it builds up. 
inside you. So they're you know, like they're they're Glenn doesn't do any venting the other three hundred sixty four days of the year. He's very disciplined about that. What are you saying? Like their their joy? It, there's not like an osmosis of joy from them. There's not like an osmosis of gratitude that makes its way into no. your oh, no. heart. No. Uh-huh. no, 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 no. No, the Glenn Jed griping is more like a black hole. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's, you're not going to pull light out of it. It's only going to destroy everything you're trying to do. Glenn, yeah. on this gripes giving, do yeah. you have anything that you feel wrathful for? Oh, wow. Just... I will point out that we don't have the uh, ceremonial bowl to pass around and pull gripes out of. So we're going to have to breath. People, yeah. people probably think we're making that up. That's not <laughs> a joke. Not a thing. That is a real thing. What we like to do at my house as a gripes-giving tradition is go through the letters of the alphabet. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, so, Chad, maybe you <laughs> That could... gets a little hairy around the sixth letter, I'll point out. <laughs> you, you could start with the letter A. Okay. What, what gripes do you have? That uh, start with the letter A. All of you people. Nice. All of you. Yeah. Look at yourselves. Yeah. You know what you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, for me, sure. Uh, I guess I start with the letter B. Uh, bees. Sure. Bees. Uh, tell tell the very specific story, please, because I love that story which, which about one? bees at the bridge. Well, uh, we we <laughs> a have gripes a, giving classic. This, this is a true story. Absolutely true story. We have an inner city ministry. As many of you know, we work men and women coming out of jail and off of the streets, and uh, we do it every single Tuesday at seven thirty uh, in the evening. We've done it every Tuesday for the past ten years, and every conceivable, imaginable thing has, has gone, gone wrong. wrong to the service. And I mean, not like the little things, that's fine, but big, like giant, awful the things. The air conditioning unit getting stolen off the building. Uh, like, I don't mean the window unit. I mean the central air getting stolen yes. off the roof of a building <laughs> off the in roof. downtown Chicago on a Tuesday. Well, yes. actually, just last Tuesday, there was in the in the uh, the sort of the sanctuary type area where we were having our service, a pipe is leaking. Yeah. yeah. It's just water flowing. I think a pipe and, is urinating is about the exact <laughs> way to describe that noise. Yeah. And they, yeah. But they've addressed it by putting a plastic bag, a right. duct taping it over the pipe, which what's the loudest thing you can do to water? Direct it at a plastic bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, every every week it's something. And and one particular week, understand this the service does take place indoors. Yes. One one week there were bees. Yes. Just now we Inside. have bees here. Just the, bees are here now. There were bees circling directly over the pulpit and dive bombing speakers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this doesn't happen to anybody else but us. You know? Yes. Yes. So that right there is what you call a gripesgiving classic. Yep. If if you if if people listening to this uh have the equipment to do a claymation of that okay i think they should wow and then children can watch that every year and there'll be like bees buzzing around Uh, uh, claymation bees that's great for the kids yeah so uh but i'm just putting that that out there you know um but uh matt we we know uh starting with the letter c there's probably something that you have to gripe about this year Absolutely. I'm glad I got the letter C because it falls to pretty clearly what it is. Chicago. Yes. Nice. Wow. Here's the thing. It's 28 degrees outside. Yeah. 
snowed twice already this year. Yeah. The Bears suck. Yeah. I'm oh, not yeah. sure what the city exactly has to offer at this point. <laughs> it, it's two solid weeks of 20 degrees below normal. Yeah. That, Setting us up for six months yeah. right. of winter. That's, that's right. not an exaggeration. No, that's yeah. true. It will be winter until mid-April. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's completely true. Yeah. So, And um, really, again, I can't quantify how bad the Bears are. Yes. That normally, is. that's something that get, buoys your heart. That's exactly... It, it, Say, it, I'm cold, but that guy's cold, and Brian Erlacher just burst his spleen. And that makes you feel good. <laughs> sure. You know, if you don't have that, what have you got? Nothing. You know, that's nothing. what I have. Nothingness. Darkness and nothingness. That's what <laughs> we're facing. It does get dark. Also, we're on some time. It gets dark at 415. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, and all of us work till about 2, 3 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So that means we experience about an hour and a half of daylight every day. <laughs> that has happened. Yeah. It's a Kafkaesque nightmare. Brother Lee, the letter D falls to you. Yeah, I'm going to have to go this year with uh, with denim in general. Just okay. Really? Wow. I, Just I'm, over it. I'm I'm kind of done with jeans. I feel like you know, at age 35, it's okay for me to go ahead and cross the line and say, you know what, I'm a I'm a slacks guy. I'm not ashamed okay. of it. I'm done okay. with jeans. Don't. I'm. It's that's over now. We're done with. Sure. And and here's here's the other gripe I have about denim. Christy and I were at we're at the Home Depot the other day. We we're getting some paint for some you know project we we're going to do at the house. No lie, I saw a guy in 2014. With a denim duster, like a okay. like Ooh. a full wow. length like jacket. This is it for those of you who don't know. A duster is like it's a coat that you wear. It goes all the way to the ground. It's got like a cape thing over the shoulders. Yeah. It yeah, looks like something a Confederate general, like like General Longstreet, would have worn in like the Civil War. But it's made out of denim, which means it came straight out of. L.L. Bean in 1987. And Homeboy yeah, wow. was just still doing that thing, man. Mm, that's so, commitment. Well, colloquially, some will refer to someone wearing jeans and a jean jacket and maybe even a vest yeah. as the Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> yes. So would that make what Lee witnessed a Canadian top coat? Sure, wow. yes. So, yes. That would be yes, a Canadian yes, top coat. Yeah, yeah. Hello, the second largest listening country. This time, <laughs> I was the one to say something mean about Canada instead of Glenn. You know, here's the thing. It falls to me on E, and I was going to go with everything and everyone everywhere. Okay. Nice. Because to, to be honest, that's just how I feel. But given our last episode in the churro chocolate, I'd like to gripe about Europe. Wow. wow. That, place, that place thinks it's so great. Right. Thinks it's so Wait, amazing. Your gripe specifically is that Europe, as a continent, thinks it's better than you. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> that place thinks it's so land sophisticated mass. and so smart. Well, I could be smart too if I had some churro chocolate to start my day. Sure, I like yeah. that. It's not <laughs> Oxford. <laughs> Or the Vatican Library, or any of these things that you think. It's a donut with chocolate on it. It's the donut that makes it smarter than you. If I had churro chocolate, I could change the world, but nobody lets me, so I'm stuck in America, Europe. Here's what I'm baffled by, is we've insulted many countries. Yep, almost all of them at this point. Uh, I, for example, uh, if memory serves correct, once claimed, and, and history will show that I am right, that Queen Elizabeth uh, is, in fact, monkey strong. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think you can count that as liable if it's proven true. She's got chimp strength. And <laughs> sure. if I'm wrong about that, you know, sue me. 
But that's how she got to be the queen. Sure. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, that's just basic science. We've said these things, but we've never gotten to a point. I think Jed has taken it to another level. Yeah. Where he's just taking the entire continent on. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. You know. Well, well, Glenn, given that we have, you know, uh, listeners, you know, all all over the place, some of them may be thinking, you know, tomorrow is American Thanksgiving, and I'd like to be able to celebrate a Gripesgiving of my own. Yeah. Can you kind of line them out on what they need to do in order to be able to do that and kind of start their own Gripesgiving traditions? Well, you know what, Jed? There's no... I like that we're franchising Gripesgiving, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. There's no right way and no wrong way to have Gripesgiving. Okay. Except for you have to do it right. Okay. And the key thing on getting it right is you have to commit to the gripes that you have. I okay, mean, these sure. have to, you have to put thought into it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can't just spend the whole year not griping and right. then just, you know, you see what That's I'm like saying? showing up to a marathon and just expecting you'd be able to rock that thing. That's not going to work. This is not yeah. how this works. Um, generally speaking, you, you bring food you should not be eating. Right. Because uh, it sets the mood. Sure, absolutely. Because th- these are things we should not normally say. Right. These are things we should not normally eat. Maybe put some Smiths on the hi-fi to really set the tone. These are things we should not be listening to. I think to. it's all about creating the environment for great Yeah, we're, we're wearing clothes we should not be wearing. Sure, so absolutely. Denim duster, perhaps. Uh, yeah, a <laughs> denim duster, I think, would be perfect uh, for that. You know, I, I believe the preferred nomenclature is Canadian top coat. Oh. Ah, yes. <laughs> Uh, and that's how you go viral, kids. <laughs> and so, you know, for us, uh, I think it's about uh, recognizing that griping is the reason for the season. It really is. Sure. Keep the gripes in gripes giving. That's what I'm talking wow. about. Woe unto the person who wishes Glenn an unhappy holidays. <laughs> yeah. He's right. out and about. Yeah. Don't tell well, me that's secularizing of gripes giving. Hey, there's a war on Gripesgiving. There's, you know, there's a war on Gripesgiving. <laughs> hey, let me tell you what. It, do you hear anybody being in favor of it? No. So there you have it. It's we're under attack. Totally. <laughs> These are our traditional values, Jed. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, people. Uh, hey, uh, our forefathers fought and died so that we could gripe. They did. Wow. You know I mean? They did. That we could have That's these That's a gripes. bold take to take about five days after Remembrance Day. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's what, we, these are our freedoms. Yes. And, uh, America. Are you ready for the big speech? Do it. No, no, you're going to be delivering it. I'm oh. just asking, are you ready for it? Sure. <laughs> our forefathers <laughs> fought died in the mud and snow on the plains of a bitterly jealous Europe (laughs) trying so hard to be cooler than America but not pulling it off they fought for the right for you and I to gripe to gripe all year long to gripe long and hard to gripe from the bottom of our hearts. Grapes giving. There you go. Yep. 
Dude, I think we can declare a full-on Gripesgiving emergency off. Absolutely. That's a, that's a Gripesgiving emergency off. I, I, I think we got all of that. I, I felt that. I we felt didn't that. land on Gripesgiving. Gripesgiving landed on us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wow. think any of our audience got that joke, but we all enjoyed it. I also, this is a real quick aside, but that reminded me of, as we're saying, no, things that people we actually do around a dinner table in Glenn's house that people assume are made up. Not only is Gripes giving one of them, another one is we just passed uh, on November 11th, so a couple weeks ago, then uh, the Commonwealth countries, it's called Remembrance Day in America, it's, it's Veterans Day. So Jed's wife, who we discussed before, the wonderful Miss Hallie, is a veteran in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And it turns out people are super weird to veterans on Veterans Day. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Just so thankful. They get a kind of buggedy eyed and kind yeah, of Yeah, it's real. A little it's bit of a close talker creepy. kind of situation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so, of course, Jed being Jed, he decides he's just going to outdo them all. <laughs> I think, like, last, it was some. It was either the Sunday or a Tuesday, the near um, Veterans Day, and Jed gets up, stands, and does the creepiest, thank you for your service, three-minute impromptu speech. Wow. Which leads to Glenn, myself, and our, our co-workers, Pete and Tasha, Humming the battle hymn of the Republic <laughs> underneath it with no one instigating it. It just happened. It just happened. And here's what's great about that. Pete and Tasha are both classically trained musicians. And yes, they're orchestras. doing counter melodies. Exactly and runs. Right. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, it was a whole orchestral yeah. humming piece. It was <laughs> insane. Much in the same way, I would also like to point out, we occasionally have to do this for new people and people been around. We don't script anything on this podcast, <laughs> and we don't really yeah. even discuss it. So you heard the... Uh, the alphabetical gripe stuff, we all came up with those off the top of our heads. Yeah. <laughs> because some of those were preloaded. <laughs> Man, thing, I was ready for H to come back around. I was I was gonna yeah. go off on Harrison oh, Ford we for could a good do a bo- we could do a bonus episode of us griping our way through the alphabet. If you want to hear it, just write in. We got room in the feed. Oh yeah. One thing no one's ever griped about, bridge box. That's right. Wow. Wow. People enjoy it. That's Great songs, sermons. Stuff to fuel your walk. Based around the question, November's, what do I say to a person in pain? We've had stuff about lust. We've had stuff about ministry. We've had stuff about theology. We've had stuff about navigating through your walk. If you want to get all that for only $8 a month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. And here's something no one, super no one can gripe about. All that money goes directly to funding inner city ministry. Oh, yeah. You can also oh, sign oh, up for, yeah. the bridge, for the Bridgebox Lee Younger version. That's money that goes to Lee's work down there in Tennessee. And we take a little bit of that for what we're doing up here. That's missionusa.com slash BBLY. That's a brand new track from Lee every month. A little video, some other bonus stuff he's picked out of previous bridge boxes. You can sign up for that at missionusa.com slash BBLY. All right, we're going to jump into our first question here. comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, the Bible said God created a man and a woman. That checks out. It means that God wants to make people to be a couple. Man can satisfy woman's needs and women can satisfy man's needs. However, people keep saying God can satisfy all our needs. Does it mean that we can deem God as our lover? The problem is, I can't like imagine going on a date or having dinner or watching a movie with God. Doesn't it contradict that people say we were created for someone to satisfy our needs, but that God can satisfy all our needs? Glenn, why don't you start us off? Oh, my brother. And I know you're a dude. Uh, Bless your heart. Uh, I... I can tell. See, what's interesting about that is I read this question on the blog, and I would have thought, "Lady, 
Yeah, but maybe no. why? Why do you think guy? It's a guy, and I'll tell you why. Because only an unmarried man would say, "Well, man can satisfy a woman's needs." <laughs> <laughs> a married dude has never said that. Yeah. Just off the top, I can satisfy a woman. That's easy. Let me move on to another point. You know? I also like that no matter, going back to our internationalism, no matter where in the world you are from or what language you speak, when you say that sentence, it comes out in that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Man can satisfy a woman's needs. Yeah. It's the, the only way you can say it. Yeah. Man, that is not how marriage works, my man. Just obviously, I'm satisfying to this woman. That's easy. What You know, you know uh, no, that's, the, this is... Um, you may need some work on that, and and uh, uh, you're 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 overthinking and sort of overcooking uh, your theology. Um, but uh, the way that this works, and I'll send it around to these other guys, uh, is that God does satisfy all your needs. Uh, one of the needs uh, that you have uh, is to to have a fulfilling uh, love life and romantic life, and He wants to, uh, in fact, uh, satisfy your uh, sexual needs, he'll do that through uh, bringing a special woman into your life and uh, helping you foster that relationship. But you will have to ask her out first. Yes. That's a part of this process you will not be able to uh, sidestep. And I am guessing that might be more of where the yeah. problem Now, yeah. Glenn, yes. I've read a lot of Christian dating books for the, sex, yeah. for the purposes of the, making this joke. Yeah. And uh, I've been led to believe that if I just don't watch porn and pray a whole lot, there will just be a lady materialize in front of me. Yes, um, that's not how physics works or mm. spirituality. Um, this is, uh, uh, and also it's not how you learn how to satisfy a woman ah, by isolating yourself from any of them. <laughs> uh, in fact, you, you need to get, uh, around women and learn as much as you possibly can because uh you know you'll need it like a reconnaissance mission sure that's absolutely right um one of the things is there's something not wrong about their understanding of kind of being created for um relationship they don't exactly have all of it our question asker can you maybe uh clear some stuff up for us lee yeah absolutely i mean they're like Matt's saying, there's there's just nothing wrong with you wanting to be in a relationship. I mean, yes, I love the way that Glenn was going after this, that, that God is able to satisfy all of your needs, but he does that through the things that he has made. So, you know, you have, uh, you have a need to eat food. So, well, you, you know, the most Christian way for you to be satisfied in that need or that desire is not for you just to sit, you know, and pray and get to a real holy place and then all of your nutritional needs are met. It's you get some food and you yeah. cook it and then you, you eat, eat the it. food that you cooked. It's fine. You know, God has God has made delicious things for us to eat. He you know, he he has a you know, you have a need to be to be loved, to be accepted, to be all that kind of stuff. And you know, even like in the Garden of Eden, when everything was perfect, there was no sin in the world before before the devil had ever talked to Adam and Eve and you know to get them to to fall it says that it was not good for the man to be alone that's why that's yeah. you know i mean it, there there's absolutely nothing wrong with you wanting to have a relationship with somebody and god satisfying some of your needs for companionship and friendship and intimacy and all that through someone that he has made for you i mean that's that's a very good and healthy thing in the same way that he made food for you and so this is you know i think one thing is 
we, we got to be careful not to, um, you know, to to just supersize the Christianity on this to a point of l- just ludicrousness. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you having a relationship. The question is, as Glenn is saying, are you willing to take steps toward actually having a healthy relationship? Because the thing on that is, is if you do that, uh, the chances are you're going to really screw it up a bunch, you know, or you're going to, or you're going to get your heart broken or, you know, who knows what might happen. It's a, it's risky business, but the only way for you to learn how to treat someone for, for you to learn how to, how to have this kind of intimacy and this kind of relationship is to go out there and go for it and get hurt and screw up and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, pick yourself off the, up off the ground and go at it again. I think that's absolutely right. And there's something we, we have talked in the podcast before about how there are some n- needs that God wants to meet directly. There are some things God wants to give you directly instead of giving you the circumstances to have them. So instead of giving you a billion dollars, God might just want to take away your worry about money. And that's that's fine. There are situations yeah. like that. But this is kind of, it's not the opposite of that, but it's a different kind of situation where you're not just going to achieve what God wants for you by sitting around and waiting for him to make you not be lonely. You actually need a relationship, which is a thing outside of yourself. And Jed can kind of talk us through that idea of getting a need met, but in a godly way. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing is that almost everything God's doing, he's looking for us to participate in it in some way. Uh, In fact, a a phrase um, from a a friend of mine years ago, who was a a great theologian, is that God is looking for us to participate responsibly in the things he is doing. Now, one of the things that's come out of a lot of good Christian theology taken too far is the idea that there's just nothing for us to do. You know, we're just, our our job is to be motionless and still, and then holiness. But Jesus actually said, follow me. He he didn't say, sit there and observe me as I go to and fro. He said, follow me, come with me. God is the one that makes things go. I mean, the Bible says um, they labor in vain that build the house unless the Lord builds it. You know, God has to be the one to make things go. But God means for us to participate in that process. God God means for us to, to join him in that. Yes, per Lee's excellent point about food, God could allow you to ask him to meet your nutritional needs, and then he just zap it into your bloodstream. He's God. He can do anything, but he's not going to do that. So I think we ought to ask why. Well, it's because there's all kinds of great stuff that happens when you buy, cook, and eat food. Right, it's yeah. it's delightful, you know. I mean, cooking is actually a big hobby for me. Uh, it's great. Um, if you've never eaten food before— I recommend it. It's really delicious. Right. I'm told that churro chocolate is particularly it's delicious. It's so good, man. Yes. Dude, it's so good. Likewise, with, with dating, yeah, God could just zap your loneliness away. God could just snap his fingers and you just feel great. And like, and that would also be a lot like taking a drug, just so we're clear. Um, he could do that, but he wants you to participate and he wants you to experience all the excitement and adventure that come from developing relationships, from getting to know people. Yes, there are downsides. When you buy food and you cook it, sometimes you will burn it and it will not be very good. Sometimes your knife will slip and you'll cut your finger and that, that will suck. But it turns out that delicious tray of brownies is worth the downsides. Right. 
like yeah. massively worth it. And likewise with the building relationships, yes, you will make mistakes. You will have people that break your heart. You will not perfectly execute boundaries on physical stuff. That that's going to happen. But those really awesome romantic moments where you stare into the eyes of your beloved and the wind mm. blows gently through your hair and it's like the cover of a romance novel. It's actually worth it. It's right. actually super cool and super awesome. But God intends for you to join him in bringing that to life. God right. intends for you to, to play a role in bringing that about. That doesn't make him less able, and that doesn't mean you're the one causing it to happen, but it does mean there's a role for you to play that he wants for you to play. Right. That's absolutely right. Lee, I'd like to go back to you for a second and maybe do a little unpacking on something you mentioned. I think it's a really interesting point. It's really sharp and really speaks to this. That idea about... But the need for companionship was one that came before the fall. And yeah. I think that that really implies, goes piggybacks a lot on what Jed's talking about, about filling need, healthy needs in a healthy way. Yeah, so that, I mean, I love that. It, you know, sometimes people will have this kind of Christian idea that like, well, you know, if you really loved God enough, then God would be enough for you. Yeah, mm. Mm. you would just sit in a room with your John Piper books and just be filled <laughs> with glory. You know, some of us are so holy we don't even need the books because we've memorized them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you know, and, and you know, th- you hear this kind of stuff a lot. And the thing about it is that you know, it, the, I mean, you know, it sounds right. I mean, there's a there's a part of that where it's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess if you know, since God is God, if I if I just really loved Him enough, He'd just be enough for me, and I wouldn't need anything else. And you know, a, a lot of times in 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 this walking with Jesus stuff, you hear people say stuff that like, on one level, yeah, I guess that sounds right, but then this funny thing happens where you actually read the Bible, and then <laughs> it surprises you with something that's completely different. I mean. You know, when, whenever, uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm counseling uh, uh, couples that are in premarital counseling, I'll ask them this trick question of like, hey, do you, do you remember what was wrong before sin entered the world? Like before the fall, like perfect paradise in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember what was wrong? And they're like, how could anything be wrong? I'm like, I know. It, what, what wasn't good? And it's like, it wasn't good that the man was alone. There was actually a problem there. It was a problem that this guy didn't have this friend and this companion, someone to help him and someone to build him up, someone to help him become who he could truly be. And so God made a woman for him. And this was, and, and, and then they together became like this, just this awesome us, you know, they, they became, the two became one. It was this amazing thing. And the idea that that was, that was all good and holy and everything before sin ever happened. It was not good for him to be alone. And it's like, and what that means is it's actually not a holy thing for us to think that if I was, if I was good enough at at my walk with Jesus, then I just wouldn't need anybody. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. And you know, the more that you look at it and the more that you look at scripture, you find out that it's healthy for us to need relationships. It's healthy for us to need friends and not just, you know, not just in a, you know, a guy girl romantic relationship, but all kinds of friends and all kinds of everything in our lives. But this is a healthy thing and it's right for you to want it. It's right for you to go after it. That's actually right. Another thing that we've kind of um, brought up here is this idea of, I think Lee was right that, you know, that idea of if I was Christian enough, I wouldn't want anything. There's also an idea that if I was Christian enough, I wouldn't have to do anything. Yeah. 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 To Glenn's point he made earlier, and I'd like to get you to speak a little more about that, Glenn. If you use the dating example, there's also, we deal with guys in our day job, kind of the bridge all the time, who 
you know, I need a job. And the number one thing, I got to have a job. And this is the thing you say, well, you know, let's fill out some applications and let's, let's go to the job center. Let's do the practical things that it takes to get that net because God wants you to have a job too. And they're not, they don't exactly fight you on that. But there's just thought of, yeah, but I'm doing this following the Lord thing better than I ever have. So I assume that someone would just offer me a job for being godly. Yeah. Like the over-spiritualizing yeah. of yeah. practical things. Absolutely right. And I think there's a, a, a sense of, you know, if if uh, I get all these ingredients in place and God sort of owes me and then, you know, things yeah. would just jump together. That's not in any way how life works. Um, and then sort of the other extreme also comes into play where you go to the Christian conference about whatever, whatever, and somebody stands up and says, you know, I, I was in this heavy relationship, but I, then I realized I was putting this person ahead of God in my life, and we broke up, and it was very tragic, and I, whatever. Okay, that's cool. That's a good point. It's a legit point. Uh, God needs to come first in your life. Yes. Okay. But what you did was you said, okay, dating is when you put someone else first. So I should not do that. And I should just love Jesus because that's what everyone's telling me. And that means God is definitely telling me I should never ask anyone out, which happens to be kind of okay because I'm a big fat chicken. Sure. That is not what these people are telling you either. They are saying... It's important within a dating relationship to put God first for you. It's important for uh, your the person you're dating to put God first. And that the relationship itself, the dating relationship, would help both of you in your walk, would be an encouragement to you, would be an accountability to each other. You're challenging each other. You're supporting and encouraging one another so that uh, all of this is fostering further growth. And, it, it, again, it's a relationship where God is at the center uh, God is number one for, for both of you, and there isn't a competition going on there. So uh, let's not mm. let our fear mm-hmm. uh, uh, warp our theology so that we sort of find a way for uh, God to be not in favor of this and 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 mess up a good relationship. Absolutely, Jed. Real quick closing thought on this question. One of the things, there's a lot of kind of unhealthy motivations to go on with, with this kind of stuff. But I think one of the things that happens is you want you want your dating life to be to happen in a romantic way. Um, you know, that's part of the appeal of I did absolutely nothing and then this person materialized in front of me is the idea itself is romantic. And similarly with God, you know, I just want to have all these feelings and whatnot, you know, and, and God is enough and I just, you know, and, and it's a really romantic idea. And here's the, the thing on that is you're not wrong to want romance. You're right. not wrong. You're not wrong to want romance with another person, and you're not wrong to want a sense of romance in your relationship with God. The thing that you have wrong is the expectation that that's where we start. That's the problem. In other words, the key, you can ask Christians, uh, secular counselors, anybody, what's the key to a healthy romantic relationship? All of them will tell you good communication. All of them will say that's where it starts, good communication, getting on the same page about everything. Now, people don't do that because it doesn't feel romantic. Right. If it feels ta- the opposite, as a matter of fact. Exactly right. You should know what I'm thinking. Exactly right. I shouldn't have to tell you. It's a romantic idea that you should know what I'm thinking. If right. I have to tell you, all the romance is gone. Right. What you haven't seen is if you talk everything out and you build a good relationship, you will have romantic moments 
coming on the backside of that. That's the thing. They, yeah. they will occur. If you get in the motion of walking with God and participating in the things he's doing in a practical sense, things like maybe God wants me to date someone, I'm going to get on eHarmony. Right. You will have romantic moments with God. Yeah. All four of us on this podcast have very practical walks with the Lord. All four of us. We regularly have moments where God blows our hair back and it's like, holy cow, Lord, I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe right. you did that. I can't believe you led me. I'm amazed. I, you know, it's and it's a romantic moment in that sense. Yeah. You're not wrong to want that. The issue is you don't start there. You oh, yeah. start with walking. You start with communicating. You start with the practical, and then the romantic co- grows out of that. That's how you get there. Yeah, it's absolutely right. We're going to jump to our second question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox. It says, "Hello, I always appreciate the politeness of the questions. Greetings." Hello. Hello, I have issues of not doing what I'm supposed to do. I procrastinate. I find it really difficult to motivate myself. I'm in college, but I've moved to a new city and I'm feeling apathetic towards making friends, getting involved, and doing homework. I'm getting along just fine so far, but I feel guilty for not doing more. I keep saying I'll do better, but I fail. I find it impossible to understand how God can put up with me when I'm going nowhere. I feel like I'm getting him down and am lost. I feel like I'm letting him down, sorry, and I'm lost. Jed, can you start us off? I can. I really appreciate your question. Let me read this back to you and go a little bit line by line here. I have issues with not doing what I'm supposed to. Uh, Me too. I'm with you. I procrastinate, and I find it really difficult to motivate myself. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm with you. I'm in college, but I've moved to a new city, and I'm feeling apathetic towards making friends. Makes perfect sense. Getting involved and doing homework. Makes perfect sense. I'm getting along just fine so far, but I feel guilty for not doing more. All right, let's stop there for a second. You say, I'm getting along just fine so far, but I feel guilty for not doing more. If you've just changed everything in your life, and your current status is getting along and doing fine, you're doing great. Yeah, right. You're doing you're doing awesome. You're doing fantastic. You don't move to a new place with a whole new set of people, new expectations, and suddenly soar to first place. That, right. that life doesn't work that way. You got to you know acclimatize, get used to things, you know adjust. You know you're probably going through a certain amount of culture shock. You're disoriented. That all makes sense. You're actually it sounds like you're doing good. Here's where we get into some interesting territory. I keep saying I will do better, but I fail. I find it impossible to understand how God can put up with me when I'm going nowhere. I feel like I'm letting him down and I'm lost. Okay, now we need to hit pause. Is it God that you have these feelings towards, or is it your parents? Because uh-huh. that's a completely different thing. Let me read right. this back to you. I'm going to put your parents in God's place. I feel it impossible to understand how my parents can put up with me when I'm going nowhere. I feel like I'm letting my parents down, and I'm lost. That makes a lot more sense. If you grew up with really overbearing parents with impossible expectations, who maybe are telling you you always need to study, no matter what, all the time, and you move to a new town and you're not doing that, then in some sense, perhaps you are letting them down. But we need to be clear, your parents and God are not the same person. Right. They don't think the same thoughts. They don't have the same expectations. And if we paste God's head onto the things that our parents are saying, it turns out we can't ever get onto the same page as God. Because we're actually trying to interact with a fictional, non-existent God. The, the God that sounds just like your parents doesn't exist. Right. Um, the, the God that actually exists is almost certainly tugging at your sleeve right now and saying, 
you're doing great. Yeah. Right. Let's let's relax. Let's go for a walk. Let's right, let's right. chill out. Let's let's grab a cup of coffee. Um, the voice in your head that's saying you got to do more. What is wrong with you? How are you? Know, you suck. That's not coming from God. Maybe it's your folks. Maybe it's it's somebody else. But as long and maybe it's just your critical inner voice. Maybe it's the devil. My money's on your folks. But whatever, wherever that voice is coming from, to the extent that we're trying to ascribe that to God, we're stuck. Right. Step one right. on this is being clear. God does not agree with that stuff. God has his own voice and his own ideas. And if we want to move forward, we need to begin to separate those two voices a little bit. Absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely right. And Glenn, this has all the hallmarks of uh, particular uh, depression, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, there's there's a, a sense, uh, exactly as Jed is saying, uh, you know, if we look at what you're doing, what you're going through, there's no reason to really be down on yourself. Absolutely. There's no reason to, to have these negative thoughts. Um, uh, but a lot of this, un, I feel under-motivated. I feel like I can't get out of bed. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel that starts, that gets in us, that sounds like depression. To yeah. me. That's, mm. we're, it feels like we're going in that direction. And I'm going to tie it together with what Jed was saying about parents. And here's the thing. A lot of people uh, in their adolescent and college years go through depression because they're angry with their parents. Yeah. Okay. Because parents, but. but you can't express that to the parents. You can't say, "Mom, Dad, I I love you," uh, but you're super duper getting on my nerves. You are uptight about stuff to the point of insanity. You've got yourself in sort of this <laughs> feedback loop. And you both need to just uh, calm yourself down, get out of my hair, go away, deal with each other or something, and uh, let me have some space. And by the way, if I get a B or a C on this test or whatever, my life is not ruined. Yeah. I'm, I'm old enough to know that. You can't say all these things to your parents, this, uh, uh, particularly certain uh you know, kinds of parents, that, as Jed is saying, that might be a little overbearing or, are very, you know, kind of pushing you and so forth. Well, the thing is you have that anger, but you can't express it to your parents, so you end up turning that anger in on yourself. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's where depression comes from is you're you're turning that that anger uh inward and what what happens with that then is you um direct that anger at yourself and say, I'm not worthy. And that's yeah. exactly what you're writing down here. I feel like I'm letting God down. I feel like, how could God put up with me and so on and so forth. You're, you're, uh, uh, you know, turning all that, uh, inward on yourself yeah. when, when you need to be honest and say, Lord, I'm, I'm angry about a lot of things. I'm sort of angry at you because I don't know who else to be angry at. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm angry at my parents uh, maybe I'm angry at the world. I don't know. Maybe but, I'm angry at myself. Yeah, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, I want to just vent all that out and unpack it and look at it. And because your word says, "Cast all your cares upon me," so I'm going to cast all my cares upon you. And I've got a lot. And here's where we're going to start. That's absolutely right. Um, looking at the uh, the notes Lee gave us for this episode, and there's a really interesting idea in here. I'd love you to unpack this for us, Lee. That you know, it's it can almost as Glenn's talking about with depression, it can, you can let it feed into that feedback loop that obviously, no matter how deep the haze of depression, most of the time, there is something you're excited about. Uh, you can either use yeah. that as a negative to say, well, I'm excited about, you know, whatever, but I'm not excited about things I sh I'm not excited about studying. 
so yeah. I must be a huge piece of crap. But right. Lee is there's a way to use that as a positive, right? Yeah, definitely. I I, I think one of the things that's interesting is that you know no matter how down you know uh, somebody is there's usually something they're really pumped about, you know? And if somebody says, well, I really, really suck at the school thing, or I really, really suck at, at, at keeping this apartment clean, or I really suck at, at keeping my bills paid on time and stuff like that. But there's something that you really love. And maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's fantasy football, or maybe it's, you know, the comic convention that you go to, or or maybe it's like like landscaping. You know, what, whatever the thing is, there's probably something that you're like super into, and you know, like you, you read blogs about it, you research it, you're you're just you're into this thing, and that's like what we would call like your wheelhouse, just the thing that you love, that you're good at, that you're motivated about. And I think one of the things would be interesting is to look at that area of your life and to look at it and realize like it's not that I'm a totally lazy or procrastinating person; it's that I've got some things that I'm not interested in. And, uh, you know, when, when I find the things that I am super interested in, I'm really good at getting things done. I'm really good at being productive. I'm really good at being creative. And so it's not that I just as a, as a, you know, I can just put a whole cloud over my life and just say, I suck as a person because that's not your situation. There's stuff that you're into that you're really, really good at. What I would you know, an interesting question to me would be, okay, when you are in that area of that thing that you love to do, that thing that you're really, really good at, what are you like in that area? You know, what, what, what is, you know, what really fires you up about it? What, what makes, you know, what, you know, why are you good at it? What, what's your thing? Are you really diligent on this thing? Are you really creative? Are you really just kind of like, you know, just, just kind of like you go after it like a man possessed? Like, what is that deal? And could you apply some of those same things to the stuff that you want to change about yourself? There's nothing wrong with saying, I've got this area in my life that I want to do something about. I want to change some patterns. No problem. Find what it, what are you like in the areas where you are like hyper motivated and really successful. If we can find some of those same principles and apply them to these other things, it's not that you suck as a person. It's that you're not you're not kind of routing some of your energy into these areas that you want to actually do something about. That's a really cool point. One of the things that you one of the patterns you may find and the things that it's easy to get motivated about, it's easy to get excited about is they aren't things that necessarily have achievement associated with them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. part of this whole misconception we have in this is that I, culture, maybe my crazy parents care a whole lot about achievement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So probably God does too. That's probably not yeah. exactly the way that goes down, right, Glenn? No, I don't think God is uh, terribly, terribly interested or super excited or cares a whole, whole lot about most of our uh achievement related things right I mean I think the Lord has a parental sense of being happy for us when we make certain accomplishments and mm-hmm. so forth I think that's real and that's good and um you know I he think has things before you he wants you to accomplish that's a little different that's way different uh I but it's important to recognize there are some people who worship achievement yes, and absolutely. think of achievement as inherently good. So, for example, if I went to certain communities and I said, uh, and 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 the one that that Lee is in in, in Oak Ridge is everybody's got a PhD and uh, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. If I said, okay, here's what I want you to do, 
I want you, if the Lord come down on the cloud and he says, I want you to spend the next 10 years achieving nothing. <laughs> you, will, you, you will work a job, you will pay your bills, you will have relationships, but you will accomplish and achieve nothing. They will come to you and offer you a, a, a promotion and you will say, no, thank you. And you will just keep working that lowest level job for the next 10 years. Some people, I think, would just say, kill me now, Lord. Yeah. Oh, they would absolutely implode. Seppuku. Well, yeah. even though, the funny thing, just to jump in real quick, even though that's the model of many people God used significantly in the Bible. Definitely. Right. Uh, God God put Moses on ice for like 40 years. Exactly yeah. right. Herding sheep. And it was all preparation for something, but there was right. no achievement during those 40 years. Well, exactly yeah, and right. in the same token, you look at the Apostle Paul, who spent yeah. his entire yeah. year becoming a PhD in theology, you know, underneath the tutelage of the most impressive person in the whole country and then he gets you know put in the penalty box for 10 years and then when he when he resurfaces you know he writes in the book of philippians everything that i achieved is nothing but yeah. a load of crap yeah. and i'm yeah, done with right. that now absolutely i think so along the lines of what these guys are, are saying i think it's about recognizing that we we take it as a moral and spiritual good that we're making all these achievements, we're making grades. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about you as a person. Uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't mean that God uh, is saying don't do this stuff. But if you're getting a B in a class and you think God's feeling let down towards you, you have come loose of the proper perspective of what's going on here. Well, yeah. one one thing I think is really interesting on this point is that, you know, we're like we're we're like 150 episodes into this show and folks listening, one thing that you've never heard Glenn do is name drop ever. But I assure you, that dude could name drop like nobody's business. I mean, the things that, like, people that Glenn knows, accomplishments and, you know, things that he's had a hand in and stuff like that, he could name drop and impress everybody. He doesn't do that. And the reason is because when somebody else does that around you, good night. You want to leave yeah. the conversation. Holy crap. Yeah. When people start yeah. talking about their accomplishments, that's when I want to go somewhere else. You know, and and what's yeah. so funny is that you know we, we have this pressure of like I really want to I really want to be the best in this thing, and if I don't, man, I just I'm just really my life is worthless. But it's like when somebody starts when somebody starts you know trumpeting about that kind of stuff, we all hate it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, totally we, we, we all absolutely hate it. So so why are we still hung up on that stuff? Well, yeah. to build on that, Glenn said it, you know, it's true. Maybe God God definitely doesn't care about accomplishment and achievement the way that we do. There's right, no right, question right. about that. But here's something God does care deeply about, and that's balance. Yeah. God yeah. cares a lot about balance. Yes, and he here's does. the funny thing. Most of the people who in the world's eyes achieve and accomplish are the least balanced human beings you yeah. will ever meet Hello. in your entire life. Hello. There's no I I've worked on college campuses for a long time and Professors, and I'm talking about people that are experts in their field, are the least balanced human beings I have ever met. Yeah, yeah. And I know criminals. So <laughs> bear, bear in mind what I'm saying here. God cares about balance. That's in the Bible. The Bible is very specific. Mm -hmm. God cares about you living a balanced life. Jesus set a model for that. And that's part of the way out of this depression. 
is balance. Here's the thing about depression, what it does to you is it tries to get you to take your cues on how you're doing from your emotions when your emotions are jacked up. That's what it tries to get you to do. The way forward on that is to set unemotional guidelines of what is acceptable levels of effort in different areas of your life. So, for example, with studying. You could do it any number of ways. You could set an overall GPA. You could say, look, if I drop below a 2.0, I'm, I'm going to feel like I need to, to get that up. All right. I, and I don't care where you set the line, but you need to have a line. You need to have something that's a bar for appropriate behavior. Maybe that's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study for one hour each night. You know, that's going to that's gonna be my bar. But you need to have a bar that's not driven by emotion. Something where you can look at it and you say, I am doing an yeah. acceptable, balanced level of effort. Yeah. But just as you need that with the work, you need that with this other stuff. Yeah. I am three evenings out of the week. I'm going to go to a social activity to meet new people since I'm in a new town. Right. Um, it, and if I've done that, then I've done great in that arena. If I haven't done that, then I can improve next week. Right. And you need to feel free on all those things to recalibrate. Them. Yes, that's yeah, exactly yeah, right. Say, yeah, yeah. Three, you don't start out and say, Three week, three nights a week is good. Seven will be even yeah. better. You say, yeah. I'm doing three nights a week, and I'm exhausted. Maybe that's this is too still much. important. I'm going to scale this back to two. Yeah. So that's not a defeat. That's just finding balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. exactly right. You can talk with pastor. You talk with a mentor. You talk. Please email any of us. We'd love yeah. to help you sort that out. That's a big part of the way forward is setting bars for yourself, setting you know kind of ways, uh, uh, metrics to know how you're doing that are not grounded in emotion, mm-hmm. that you can adjust as you go, but where you can rest in that yeah. you can say this week i said an hour a night of studying i did my hour it's time for for relaxation and i'm not going to feel bad about it either what's well, interesting i want to tie that back to something lee was just saying it's very interesting about you know why people go on about listing their accomplishments and it's one of the, this is one of the situations where you can let it feed on itself into a death spiral or you mm-hmm. can kind of break out of that because when you get in these kind of head spaces which i think we've all been in i know i have there's this idea of, okay, I'm miserable and I'm not accomplishing what I feel like I should be. So why don't I just double down on the worst parts and then I'll still be miserable, but I'll be accomplishing something, which to Jed's fine point is something that our culture kind of celebrates. Totally. There's a lot of, we well, you know, stockbrokers deserve all that money because they work <laughs> 70 hour weeks. Yeah. Now it doesn't say they're accomplishing anything or they create mm. anything, but they're just there. In that suit, in that office for 70 hours. 70. That's that's the American dream right there. <laughs> Don't know why it is, but so it's kind of a depression thing of I'm, that's also part of the skewed um, vision it gives you of I'm going to be miserable and hate life forever. I might as well be miserable and hate life and graduate with honors. Yeah. But that's not really the way it is. Part of the thing we're telling you and one of the things you can take away from this is a balanced life with fun stuff in it where you still get things you need done is achievable. And it's more achievable if you build all of that up at once as opposed to, first, I'm going to get good grades and everything all the time ever. Yeah. And then I will use the leftover energy I don't have to have a functional social life and spiritual life. If you start with a little bit of everything, I'm going to do my hour of studying, and then I'm going to do the harmony thing, and then I'm once a week I'm going to go to the whatever. Yeah. You do. You can do all that at once. It helps you ease into it, and you're going to end up with a better built life quicker. Yes. And with that, yes. we're going to move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, I've been having trouble understanding the doctrine of election and free will. Yeah, Me too. Man. Get out the smelling salts. If everyone who is saved is elected, then yeah, free man. will ceases to exist. Come on, I'm, uh, it goes on like that. And we, we love you, dear question asker, but I'm just going to skip to the end. 
Um, Doctrine doctrine of election versus free will. Lee, why don't you start us off into this particular hornet's nest? Um, yeah. So I was, uh, and this is, and this is not, this is not to start a rant here, Jed. But I was in the beautiful city of Segovia in Spain. Oh, I, do, do they do they have do they have donut chocolate there? <laughs> Yeah, I'm They've sure. They've got caramel churros there. I'm sure yeah. they do. <laughs> Must have been great. So I, I was caramel in, donut I was, land. So I was in I was in Segovia. And here's the cool thing about this this city is they have like the Jed doesn't get to go there. That's the cool <laughs> thing. <laughs> well done. I, sorry, Lee, you couldn't resist. I have an actual point here. So in Hit Segovia, us. they have an they 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 have an actual Roman aqueduct, like from the Roman okay. Empire. This nice. thing is like, this thing is 2,000 years old. It's 94 feet tall. It's, you know, it's miles long, you know, the, where the, the Romans would build these huge bridges to carry water from, you know, from mountain thaws and mountain rivers into landlocked cities and stuff. And, and they would build these humongous, like, you know, columns and archways with these giant granite stones with no mortar. And I was looking at, I mean, I'm standing there underneath this, this massive structure, looking at the archway that's being held together by 2,000-year-old stones with no mortar, no glue. Like, it's, <laughs> wow. just, it's just physics. I mean, and yeah. I don't understand any of that. I mean, that, I don't understand math or physics at all. That stuff is just, it just flies right over my head. And here's the thing I didn't do. I didn't stand there at Segovia all day going, I have to understand how those rocks are still in place. I just have to understand it. What I did was I just walked down the street. I took about a thousand pictures of it. And I thought, man, that's beautiful. Man, that's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, it's incredible that it's still standing. It's incredible that they thought of it. It's incredible that I get to enjoy it. And and it was just, it was a great day. Now, here's the thing that we get hung up on this whole doctrine of election. Now, the, the trippy thing is the scripture is clear that God wants everyone to be saved. Clear. Right. The scripture yep. is clear that anybody that calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. No question. The scripture is crystal clear. Jesus says in John chapter 15, you did not choose me, I chose you. The Apostle Paul says, we were chosen before the foundation of the world. These things are all just black and white in Scripture. Now, here's where we get in trouble is we go way above our pay grade, and we try to understand how all of that works together. Does God want some people to not be saved? Does God want, is God cruel? Here's what I would challenge you to do. Um, Don't try to understand things you can't understand. But go to the Gospels, read through the Gospel, and ask yourself this question. We talk about this a lot. What kind of a dude is Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. Can I trust right. him? Is he kind? Does he care about people? Does he care about me? Jesus wants me to know him. Jesus is pursuing a relationship with me. He picked me to be his very own. Instead of yeah. trying to figure out how all this is funky and how it implicates God and maybe being really mean, why don't we look at the beautiful stuff about this, that Jesus is recruiting these followers who don't deserve him just because he loves them. And he just wants people, he wants people to be his, he wants everybody to come to know him. Instead of trying to understand things we totally can't, why can't we just step back from the whole thing and say, man, I don't understand how all this comes together, but it is incredible that the God of the universe wants me to be his. It's incredible that a God that I don't deserve has said, 
I can want a life with him and I can have it. You know, for me, I can't reconcile this stuff, but that's what I do is just kind of step back and enjoy the beauty of a God who loves me like that. That's a great point. And to the idea of not being able to reconcile it, Glenn, can you walk us through a little bit of how the, uh, trying to understand the, the finer points of theology of this are really not going to help you in any way. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, this is a question that someone dreamed up so we'd have something to think about instead of going and helping people. (laughs) So um, uh, uh, it was successful in in that sense. But here's the thing. Uh, There's um, uh, the, the doctrine or the concept of free will, which is that God gives us all uh, the freedom to choose uh, to be in his family or not, to choose eternal life in paradise or not. Um, if that's not true, then the entire New Testament makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Therefore, I'm pretty inclined to believe that. And then there's this idea or this doctrine of election, the idea that only some people are predestined to be saved and uh, that... Um, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're not one of those people, then you can't be saved. Uh, that, uh, w- if you want to think of that as a spectrum, there are people who believe a little bit of that. There's people who believe some of that. And then some people who very strictly believe that, for example, you know, I believe the Anabaptists believe that strictly. Uh, but the, the people who, this guy named John Calvin that sort of introduced this idea of predestination uh, the Presbyterian Church kind of has, you know, uh, traditionally uh, had that as part of their their doctrinal uh, picture. Here's what you need to know about uh, Presbyterians and predestination and election and all of that is that I have never met a Presbyterian uh, clergy person or professor, a pastor or seminary professor that actually believed in predestination. Yeah. Now, they'll say, "Ah, it's kind of, but it's not what people think. It's just, it's not that, but it's this, and it's not, and people have it all wrong. So it's really just college students who read this and don't understand it and then get super hung up on it that are the only people who really uh, buy into that. But if, uh, if only some people are meant to be saved, then likewise, nothing about the New Testament makes sense. So... You're you're talking about something that makes no sense that nobody really believes in. No no large group of wise people have studied it and decided that it's true. That's absolutely right. One of the interesting things on this is also you can tell no one on either side of this is really believes it full way, and nor are we meant to, because as you point there's as both Glenn and Leah pointed out, there are scriptural cases for both aspects of this. But here's the thing. If you own, people say, I believe in free will and I, I hate Calvinism and free will. Well, if you've ever prayed for someone to think or feel or do something, you don't believe in free will because what you're praying for is for God to invade their will right. and make them be saved or do the smart thing. And here's the thing the Bible is very clear that you should pray for intercession with other people. Right. On the flip side of that, people say it's all predestination and nothing, predestination is it. But then there would be no evangelism, yeah, because right. it wouldn't make any exactly sense. Right. Because right. so functionally, free will—you may technically believe that, but you can't act on everyone having free will in a spiritual way. Yeah, right. and predestination—you may functionally believe that academically, but the way we're called to believe in the Bible—you know, how can they know if no one tells them? How can they be told if no one sends them? 
were actually meant to the same guy who, you know, Paul says a lot about these predestination verses. Jesus, who said, you know, you did not choose me, I chose you, is the same one who said, go and preach the gospel to all nations. Right. It doesn't say only the predestined ones. Here's the thing. If you don't know who the predestined ones are, you have to act like everyone is. Yeah. So there's this functionality aspect is what we're talking about. And, Jed, can you maybe unpack a little bit the—we've talked about this on the podcast before—the idea of people hiding behind unanswerable questions so that they get to maintain the idea of who's to say as opposed to going on in their life? Absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's a great question. Basically, uh, there's there's really kind of two things in the Bible. Uh, there's stuff that's plain as day, that there's no mistaking. Uh, you referenced this, the, the end, it's the last chapter of Matthew, um, where Jesus uh, gives what they call the Great Commission. He says, go therefore into all the world and make disciples, uh, teaching them about me. There, There's actually nothing to misunderstand there. It's it's super, super, super straightforward. And you've got other parts of the Bible that um, will probably this side of eternity never be exactly clear on what that is. Um, you know, a lot of stuff in the book of Revelation is a really good example of that, where you've got the beast with 19 eyeballs and 37 horns and a toe. Uh, n- nobody really knows what that is. Maybe someday God will clue us in. But what you see a lot of people do is spend a lot of time trying to figure out what the 37 eyeballs represent yeah. and zero time going into the world and making disciples. Right. And there's a reason for that. I can sit at the coffee shop and think about the 37 eyeballs and what they might represent. Right. Going into the world and making disciples is scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's deeply, it's, it's confusing and uncomfortable and some of them smell bad. And um, I and I might really be bad at it. And I might be super bad at it. And and besides and so forth. So you know what? I'm just going to sit here and think about the eyeballs. I'm going to read you a verse. This comes out of First Timothy, this is chapter three, is verse sixteen. There is no doubt that godliness is a great mystery. Jesus appeared hmm. in a body. The Holy Spirit proved that he was the Son of God. He was seen by the angels. He was preached among the nations. People in the world believed in him. He was taken up to heaven in glory. Let's think about that for a second. There is no doubt that godliness is a great mystery. Yeah. In other words, we are called to something that our brains can't comprehend. Right. We're called to something that is bigger than our ability to just flush out using thought and reason and logic and rationality. That doesn't mean God calls us to check our brain at the door. He certainly doesn't. In fact, we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind. Right. That's, that's up in there. But there's limits to what that human mind can do. Um, we're called to something that is at its foundation a mystery. There are things we can't understand and that God is not expecting us to understand. When you appear before the seat of Christ after you pass away— God is not going to ask for you to explain predestination to him and see how close you got it. Right. That's yeah. that's not the, the question. But God is going to hold you to account on what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? I, I gave you the opportunity to go and love people. I gave you the opportunity to go and, and tell people about me. How did that go? What did that look like? There's no mystery about that. What's before us is having the humility to embrace the fact that there are mysteries and that our faith is founded on a mystery, yeah. that God would become a man and, and make his dwelling amongst. That is a mystery, according to the verse I just read to you. But the things we're called to do because of that are not a mystery, and it's a matter of us deciding to, t- one step at a time, get out in the world and live that calling out. That's yeah. absolutely right. And one of the things, as we close this out, it's a, an idea we talk about a lot, but people keep writing these books, so we're going to keep talking about it. There's a whole industry built on the idea of Christian experts. 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's a crowded market. So sometimes you get people claiming to be experts on things that not only they're not experts on, as Judd's pointing out, you can't actually be an expert on. Yeah. yeah Here's right. the thing. You can't write your, uh, your deep theology book about the mystery because the only thing you know about the mystery is... Super mysterious, y'all. Right. Yeah, right. I don't get it. Yeah, I really don't get it. And I'm not going to. Here's the thing. We're not going to get it. Yeah. And, and if I could just real quickly jump in on that point, Matt, I think that's the thing is these are human ideas. As you point out, as Lee was pointing out, um, to a point, this stuff can sort of make sense, but then it begins to break down. Right. That's because it's a human idea. These are, you know, this Calvin came up with this, and we're we're struggling here to figure out what Calvin was thinking. When my thought on that is, so what? Yeah. I, I'm not trying to figure Calvin out. I'm trying to figure Jesus out. Yeah, so, you can go straight you know, to the primary source on exactly that. Exactly right. Well, it's an interesting thing on that, too. There's a, yeah, you don't have to understand it. Is the other part about that. Yeah. And that's what yeah. all these guys were talking about, the idea of distraction. There's this idea of, um, there's a level of limit to human empirical and re- reasoning that one of the things about faith, about the gospel, is it's going to ask you to act and sometimes base part of your life on something that is beyond that. Yes, that's correct. So you can either do that with the communication and the prayer and the scripture and go with what you do know. There's a you, Maybe you've heard of this point a lot and kind of it's a very kind of classic preacher point that there's a... A verse in the Old Testament about the Word of God being a lamp under your feet. The thing about when you hold a lamp real low is you can kind of only see one step at a time. Yep. If you want yeah. to see uh, higher, you got to hold it up face level. So it's a lamp unto your feet. But there's this idea of, i got to sit down and figure it all out and crack it, and then, because I bought this book and I cracked it, I'm going to be super Christian. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it all the way. The cool thing is, you don't have to understand how that works. To go back to kind right. of Lee's point from the beginning, I put this, you know, I edit this podcast and put it up. I don't understand anything about audio software or HTML or RSS feeds, but I don't have to. Yeah. Because that's all figured out at levels above me. Turns out the Apple engineers understand it. (laughs) So I don't have to. I can just go ahead and know that it works and know the right button to click. And there's a very similar thing happening here where you don't have to know about free will or election to as Glenn and Jed and Lee are all pointing out help people to understand the gospel enough to be able to share it you know or to be saved totally and that's exactly the very base thing is to be saved but also even I mean as you you may have heard in the last few minutes none of us understand this crap yep and I'll give you another point we don't care (laughs) right because turns out we get not to toot anyone's own horn we get a lot of ministry done in like to use other people's words, not my own, life-changing ways without giving any thought to free will or predestination no, no, until you brought it up. That doesn't come up in, in so our So as you go out, if, as Glenn was pointing out, close on this, talk about that idea where the human idea breaks down. A lot of this stuff breaks down because it doesn't have a purpose. It doesn't have a direction. It's just kind of, you know, the conversation at the coffee shop, and it becomes... A feeding frenzy. When you step out and you ask for a mission, if you say, "I, I want to go to the, I want to help the middle school kids, or I want to go to this, uh, this um, soup kitchen, or whatever it is," you'll get enough theology along the way if you have, you know, yeah. good Bible background, good teaching, and that's the role of theology to give you the knowledge and the encouragement you need to go do the things God has for you. It's just not to Thank understand you. it for the sake of understanding it. Right. Amen. 
All right, so that is our show. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, our other podcast, you can listen to The Bridge, a digital worship service, comes out every Monday. You can listen to The Bridge Loud, a heavy metal digital worship service, comes out every Friday. You can also check out some back episodes of The Water Tower, and there may be some new ones on the horizon. That's right. Great worship podcast that Lee puts together. It's much better than the Bridge Podcast, but it doesn't come out as often. And I'm <laughs> winning on volume, and that's the thing to keep in mind. All right. Also, you can check out Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. You can check out missionusa.com slash BBLY for Lee's version. We're going to take out the song. It's another Jed worship song. It's called Bigger Than My Fears. Ties in a lot of stuff we're talking about in this show. Thanks for listening. This is where we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, it's a grapes giving miracle. God, I'm here and I'm laying down. All the things I'm afraid of here and now. Because I'm tired and I need you to take this off of me. God, I know you can handle this. Even though I Feel it Because you're strong And you're fierce And you're bigger than my fears God, I know that I need your peace Cause the fear is a lie that's killing me Cause I'm not in control I can't fix it on my own God, I need you to give me faith To follow you for another day Cause I'm out, I need more So that's what I'm asking for Cause I'm out, I need more So that's what I'm asking for Alright, let's go back to the start of that song Sing this with me now God, I'm here and I'm laying down All the things I'm afraid of here and now Because I'm tired and I need you to take this off of me God, I know you can handle this Even though I don't always feel it you're strong and you're fierce And you're bigger than my fears God, I know that I need your peace Cause the fear is a lie that's killing me Cause I'm not in control I can't fix it on my own And God, I need you to give me faith Follow you for another day Cause I'm out, I need more So that's what I'm asking for Cause I'm out, I need more So that's what I'm asking for